0: The following episode references suicide. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call or text 988, which is the suicide and crisis lifeline. All right, welcome back to the female footballers podcast. My name is Cassie Gray, I am your host. On March 1st, 2022, our world lost an amazing young woman. Stanford University captain and goalkeeper, Katie Meyer, passed away by suicide at the age of 22. Over the past year, we have discussed Katie on many occasions from her bold confidence for the, and for the desperate need for more mental health resources for female athletes. Today, almost a year from her passing, we are incredibly honored to have Katie's parents, Mr. and Mrs. Steve and Gina Meyer on our podcast. Thank you both so much for being here.
1: Thank you guys for having us. Yeah, we appreciate it very much. Yeah, we do. Thanks we for ever- all support this last year. We We really appreciate
0: it. Yeah, we are so grateful for your time and, and just wanted to make sure you know we are so sorry for your loss, um, and we're so grateful that you're willing to speak on on the topics we're going to discuss today, um, and we have Rachel and Haley on as well, so they're going to chime in. You'll hear their voices. Um, so for the past year, um, we'll actually back that up, probably since 2019. Female football has just been around since 2014, but In 2019, I'll give a little backstory. I was at the final game and I, um, at the NCAA championship game and where Katie made some amazing saves and Mm -hmm. went up to this, the camera and had such a spirited celebration of her moment. And I left that game and I was training a, a young girl at the time and I ran into her as we were going to the car and she stopped me. She goes, she had a UNC hat on. She was a huge UNC fan. And um, she's like, oh man, I'm bummed. And I was like, yeah, but what amazing game. And she's like, oh my God, I'm such a fan of the goalkeeper. And I was like, right? And she goes, you know, I don't like Stanford, but man, that was awesome. <laughs> and, and, you know, all of us being Cal grads, I was like, you know what, me too. I thought that was phenomenal. And we spent the next month of our sessions individually in our, in our mentorship sessions talking about how confidence looks for female athletes. And mm-hmm. so it, it's actually that conversation in that game. I had kind of taken a leave with female f- footballers, just raising my own kids and working. And um, that game and Katie are a really big reason that I started to get back in it. Really watching young girls' responses to her play and her moment were really impactful um, for me as a coach, for me as a mom, and for me as a player. Um, and so, um, unfortunately, a year ago when we heard about her passing, we were obviously devastated and um it was just it it brought up a lot of conversations um and her story and her experience and you know we none of the people here at female footballers um knew her personally and I just think it's really really important that the world gets to hear who she was and and from your perspective as her parents more about her personality her as a daughter and a friend and as a teammate so we'd love to kind of hear more about who Katie was.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. i will start and gina is going to jump in as we go we probably will go back and forth circling into the 2019 moment and her confidence and her uh celebration and and going off as she she did um i because i talked to her about that moment after the fact you know and uh she felt like all the hard work that she put in day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year of the process of becoming as good as she could be just all burst out in one moment. Like she just let it rip. And cause she finally got that moment. And in a way that game itself was a metaphor for her journey as an athlete. Uh, She was what we call a late bloomer in a way, athletically. And that game goes along. And in the beginning, it's like, oh, yeah, Stanford has a goalkeeper over there. It's a bit of an afterthought. But then as it goes on and on and on, you start to notice her. And in the end, she makes a big impact. And uh, in terms of, like, who she was... That was part of her. She she, she
1: she would have said she finally got the yes, right. like after facing a lot of adversity and a lot of no's, yeah. um, being cut from teams yeah. from when she was little to a youth national team camp yeah. to um, a U-17 World Cup to, I mean, you know, she finally got her yes. And I think it was her yes moment. And I think she was literally just bursting. She just burst. Like she was so happy, yeah, and just happy for her team. Happy she could make that impact for her team. They, I mean, they were just on cloud nine. That was just that moment, you know. And I think it all came out, and she didn't care. She, it was one of those. I am just so happy, you know. So um,
0: that's yeah. awesome. I, I, and you know, tell us a little bit more about her journey to get to Stanford because and not just as an athlete, but as a person, I mean, if you, if she heard a lot of no's that speaks volumes Mm -hmm. to her resilience and her perseverance through her experience. So I'd love to hear more about that. if possible. Well,
2: Mm -hmm. she had a lot of no's along the way athletically. Uh, she was cut from a youth team at age 10. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Because, well, she was a, she
1: was a forward. She was a AYSO forward that could score a bunch of goals. But then when she got into club, she couldn't, she was like, Oh, wait, i um, you know, it was one of those moments and,
2: and, and but every time yeah. she got cut, whether it was that moment or at a youth national team situation or whatever, she would always come back home and just get back after it. Like mm-hmm. go to the park with me or whoever, and, uh, just get into the grind. Like she would work. She was very honest with herself about what are my weaknesses in my game. Mm -hmm. and what can I work on and I was able to help her with that in addition to her club coaches and all that but I was able to take the time and just drill down and and I was super patient with her obviously it was wonderful Mm father-daughter time we'd be able to talk about anything uh, at all and uh, it was just an amazing journey to watch for her Mm -hmm. uh, to find her way through that and uh, she put in a lot of work
1: when she was younger. Yeah. yeah. So, so she, when she got cut from that first team, then she decided they put her on the second team right. and she, they just kind of threw her in the goal. Cause at that point they were still young and they were splitting some time in goal. I think there was one goalkeeper and she was really good with her hands and she was fearless from a young age. I mean, Steve said she was a late bloomer. She wasn't a late bloomer athletically. She was always, she was in a preschool with 14 other boys she was the only girl in a preschool so she had to keep up with all these boys and she was jumping off the playground tr- equipment climbing trees she was always she'd gallop like a horse or like a lion like as she was running like they were scared of her the, these little <laughs> preschool boys were literally scared of her she kind of ruled the playground you know she was she she had to keep up with them so that wasn't so much it. I think it was finding what she was going to do. You know Um, she tried some different, different sports. She, she tried some gymnastics. She tried a little bit of, I think she tried some volleyball. She played some soccer, like she was in all the fun rec stuff. And then when she got cut from the one team and she went to the second team and they put her in goal, there was definitely an aha moment for her. It was that (laughs) Oh my gosh! I can dive like I can make these diving saves like things that she was just already fearless. Yeah. I mean, if she could have, she would have done somersaults and flips to catch a ball. You know, you know, it was like a like oh, this is where I'm meant to be. It was she, you just knew it like pretty much from the moment she first stepped in goal. Like, it
2: fit her personality. That was kind of it for her. Really, well and I think she was too. about
1: ten or, 10 or eleven. 11. Yeah, ten and or She 11. was
2: already like a little student council president yeah. type girl. She spoke at every graduation she was ever a part of, um, and so that position it just fit her. Mm-hmm. You know, she was mm-hmm. not shy about communicating back there, and uh, just. But bold. I think
1: I think late bloomer in the sense that she her wasn't size. super tall. It her was size. Wasn't her That's size. What I mean. That's right. what you meant. Yeah, it was her size because she it took a little while. I mean, she ended up at about five, nine, which is, you know, still kind of smaller for these goalkeepers now that are six foot tall six. So she, but she was small for a while. So it took a little while, you know, for her to be able to tip stuff over the bar and like, luckily she had a good, you know, good vertical, but she, um, but she loved it. She loved it. And she was, you know, we called her mama lion back there. That was her her domain she was you know protecting, that. protecting that goal she was the mama lion and she was like that with her teammates i mean she was a uh, captain on her club team on her um on her college team i mean she you know she took girls under her wing those younger players she was she was that kind of very loyal um fiercely loyal to her teammates and her close friends and her family her sisters that was who she was, you know?
2: And in terms of PK is just as a little aside
1: mm-hmm. for
2: the world of soccer, um, from the very beginning, when she was a goalkeeper, she loved, relished that, that moment. She did not get nervous. Uh, she thrived in it and couldn't wait if a game, you know, or an event went to that situation. There was a time when she was about 12, when we were at a tournament and it went to PKs and, um, we were a little nervous, <laughs> and I'm filming it through my iPhone at like the half line, and I'm hearing this sound out of the side of my ear of scrunching, and I look down, and my wife's ripping grass out of the mm-hmm. <laughs> off the field and throwing it, ripping and throwing. And so, you know, as her parents, we'll keep we her could parents. be a little nervous. But then, yeah. I, you know, once I, we realized this is what she just loved, like when it went to that situation or something like that. Uh, as her dad I just didn't get nervous anymore like when that game you're referring to went to PKs I I think my resting heart rate lowered I'm like win lose or draw whatever's going to happen is going to happen but
1: I'm the opposite I'm going to have an (laughs) ulcer or throw up like I'm literally (laughs) completely the opposite but she but she loved it she she she, that was her stage like she loved you know penalty kicks she you I mean if you remember she was like flying on the field and had and I think she told us too, she wanted to, ha- um, she wanted her teammates to have confidence. If she had confidence, it flowed into her teammates yeah. and those girls taking those PKs. She's like, if I looked okay and confident, I knew they were going to feel more confident. So there's, there's, you know, you're doing this for the team, you know, for her teammates.
0: That uh, is cool. That's such a, a great leader right there. Just leading by example. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. Wow. I just to want to take PKs. I don't know about you, Rachel and Haley, but that was not, I'm a forward, I was a forward. That mm. was like, anytime we got in those situations, I was not that time. Yeah. And, and you could tell though, just from her presence at that game, that, that she was fearless. Like that was very apparent, like the whole game, not just that moment. And I mm. think that was very cool. And it's nice to hear that she kind of lived her entire life like that from preschool, you know, and um, as a parent to three kids, too, it's nice to know that some of the, you know, my kids are still fairly young, all of them are under 12, but um, to know that those types of personality traits are going to keep through, you know, for long, which is mm-hmm. nice.
2: Yeah. And she had that in other aspects of her life at school. Um, she was a leader there. And sometimes the word leader gets thrown around a little bit. Um, but but she was, she was a, a student council president. She was never afraid to speak publicly or speak in class, she performed in talent shows, she sang Adele songs in talent <laughs> shows in elementary school, mm-hmm. and just feel like she, she, she just loved it, like, um, and even with soccer, we had always, and she, in retrospect, in conversations with us, said this actually gave her confidence, when we would talk to her, uh, we would check in with her, oh, I don't know, about every three, six months, hey, you, you're doing okay with this, like, you don't have to play soccer, mm-hmm. you know, you're not playing for us, by the way, just to be crystal clear. Mm-hmm. It's for you. It's your journey. And she'd almost get mad. Like, don't even, how dare you even bring that up? But she also said in retrospect, it actually gave her confidence because she knew that if she just dipped out of that entirely, that we still had her back and loved her unconditionally.
0: Mm-hmm. That's we, huge. And uh, yeah,
2: yeah, it, it, it just, you know, those moments, I look back at that and I, I, I do cherish those moments greatly. And then she was always a great student. She loved school, Mm -hmm. Uh, kindergarten, preschool, junior high, high school. Katie was never one you had to kind of like shake her out of bed to get her to go to school. She loved it. It's probably one of the reasons she ended up going to the university. She did. Like she was Mm -hmm. a diligent student. She took a lot of pride in her work. She was organized. She was self driven. She had to, I think it was her sophomore year, she missed a whole bunch of school 85 days because of U16 National Camp and U17 National Camp. She was attending both back she missed a lot of school
1: so, and then she got cut
2: and then she got cut ultimately from the u-17s yeah in the final camp before they went to a world cup yeah uh which was really really a tough moment for her yeah because uh, she'd been training with them for about a year and uh, subsequently yeah in her school life she got put in a independent study situation where if she was in town she'd have to go in about once a week and check in but otherwise it was all online and it was good training for her in a way for the college athlete life where they're traveling all the time.
0: And, mm-hmm. uh, you yeah. know, she,
2: she she was also like, you know, cause we know a lot of her teachers and we've been in touch with them through this, after the aftermath of this mm-hmm. from elementary school, they loved her. She was that kid, you know, mm-hmm. she participated in class, she was active and she loved her teachers fiercely. Mm-hmm and her friends at school and they didn't have to be athletes at school a lot of her friends were not athletic at all Mm -hmm. but she was Mm -hmm. a mama lion for them as well Mm -hmm. going way back to when she was little
1: yeah she had a lot of different groups of friends
2: yeah yeah all types of people
0: um it's interesting just from the outside and um after her passing we had um i'd listened to a lot of podcasts she was on and you know, I was a follower on her Instagram page, and it was clear that she had quite a group of friends at Stanford as well. And I know that you guys are um, supported by a lot of those women. Can you speak on any of, of those friendships? It seems like they're mm-hmm. they seem to be pretty tight with her still. You know, and your family still. Yeah. They are.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think we'll pop back and forth with this one. Um, she found her people.
0: Mm-hmm
2: when her, her teammates at Stanford, they were very similar. They had a common denominator. They were great soccer players. They were self-driven, um, great students Mm -hmm. probably came from environments where at times that was misunderstood from their peers in high school. What do you mean? You can't go to a house party on Wednesday night. Well, I got practice. I got training. I got to do this, you know? And so she got there and those young women on that team, you know, there's a major common denominator there and she fell in love with them and they, with her and they became like Katie's other sisters. That's
1: what, yeah. Katie would call them her sisters. I mean, she was really, really close to her class, which, you know, her class was Sophie Smith, Sierra Angie, Naomi Gurma. I mean, that was her class. All these girls are playing pro now. Um, yeah. and then, uh, Abby Grubel. Yeah who's amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, really close to Kat Macario, Savannah Coleman. I mean, I could go, it's, you know, most of those girls are going off and now playing pro or overseas, or, um, if they're not, they're doing amazing things all over the place. Mm So such a great group of girls, great teammates, and they have been so supportive. Um, you know, they cried right along with us, you know, that was their sister.
0: And they didn't yeah.
1: understand it either. Like, we were all so much in shock. I think we've all really just leaned on each other a lot this last year. Um, you know, they've been checking in with us, we've been checking in with them. They've, I think, when we're together, and I can't, I don't know how to explain this other than like um, we just had Soph and Bianca, I almost forgot about Bianca, Bianca and um, Sierra out at a game. For her birthday, and you know, I said, I'm like, when I see you guys, like, I see Katie, like, I see Katie in you,
0: and I think there's
1: a spirit, yeah, like a connection, and Mm -hmm. like they're like our most our adopted daughters too, in a way. We have two other daughters, but they're like that, so it's um, it's just I can't explain it. It's just a really neat connection. I think we always will have, and always do have, and um they've all they've all been amazing and then and then
2: katie's little sister too they're checking
1: they're checking in yeah on her sisters for sure and then you have players that have gone off like older players um alana cook tiana davidson cat all the older players and they're still checking in on us Mm -hmm. um as our players from around the nation to
2: be honest other girls that she came up with
1: yeah everybody i mean uh, the whole soccer community Um, From the top down, US soccer, NWSL, all the colleges. I mean, all these college girls that she played with at different camps and ran into. I mean, everyone's been so supportive. I feel bad. I know. I mean, I just can't even name everybody. Everybody's been wonderful and supportive and um, really shown us so much love and it's just, I mean, literally we said like, we, we are so blessed that we've had all this support because not everybody gets this kind of support or, you know, we've just had that outpouring of love and it's literally saved us this year. Like it's kept us going. Like it's definitely lifted us up. And, and even like organizations like you guys have been like, oh my gosh, like it's what has been keeping us going. And I think motivating us with our foundation and what we're doing going forward, you know?
0: Yeah, and I, you know, when you were saying, um, basically speaking to the camaraderie of of her peers and families, I think that's why when we heard about the news, um, for backstory, Rachel and I played at Cal together. We're a year apart. Haley is um, ten or more years younger than us, and um, uh, we have a few other Cal alums that are on uh, part of female footballers. But we have a really tight alumni organization, and when you were talking about her class, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, even last May, my entire class, we all just turned 40, we all went to Nashville together and celebrated, like, this is a a family, the the female soccer world is a family, and I think, um, yeah, when we all heard about everything, um, we were deeply affected by it, and we couldn't understand why, and Mm -hmm. I think you just spoke a little bit to that as to, you know, we, when you were saying, Steve, just that, um, you you find your people you're, you're around people that understand the lifestyle the pressures the just the entire experience um but you know from your perspective and Haley and rachel please feel free to jump in at any moment but um you know why do you think so many people because on march 2nd we we did a podcast episode and then i think march 6th like four days later we did another one we, we all just had to come together and kind of hold space for her and, and have a conversation and i think um We were also affected and, and we were kind of surprised at how affected we were, but in your perspective, why do you think so many people were affected by this?
2: Uh, It's tricky. I've thought about that a lot and it's hard to articulate it in a simple way. Uh, So I'll just get into it and, and we'll find our way through it. Um, it wasn't supposed to go this way, right? Like you have a young woman who worked so hard to get to where she got to, both academically, athletically, everything, that I think a lot of people can relate to that, whether you're Mm -hmm. a parent and you're raising your children and supporting them to be the best that they can be and offering them whatever support that might be, given your situation. And then also whether you're a player or an ex-player just understanding what it, you know, at that level, what it takes to get through it all Um, and the grit and the grind and the sacrifice that it takes that it's, it's a little scary when something. yeah I think all of her
1: teammates and friends also, they saw, um, you know, Katie and themselves like Kate. Katie was like all of us, like everybody else.
2: And we as parents are all like, like any other parents out there in our country, you know,
1: supporting their kid, you know, going through the. So I think, I think, um, and you know, from her friends, her coaches, I mean, Katie was the least likely person that this could happen to. Katie was happy. She was smiling. She was bubbling. She had big hopes, big dreams. She had a media plan. She was ho- holding a birthday party for a friend that like the next day, she just got her tickets for Cancun for spring break. Like she, there was no warning signs. There was no red flags. There was no um, history of mental illness. There was no, so it's just, it was I think we were all beyond shocked because you're like, if this can happen to Katie, this can happen to anybody. And I think that's how everybody felt. And I think there was a little bit of gosh, what did we miss? You know, what was there something we missed? I mean, immediately Steve and I were like, what happened? Like we thought she got hit, you know, on her bike by a car at Stanford. Everyone's on their bikes. Um, we didn't know what happened to her like we didn't even understand what happened until we got up
2: there we were on the phone with her earlier that evening i mean no
1: one suspected she had taken her life
0: yeah yeah, yeah. no was... i go ahead no i i think you hit it right on the head as far as everybody in the soccer community at least can put themselves in her shoes and know what that grind feels like the the like you said what it takes to get to that level. Um, having all played at Cal on this call, Stanford and Cal are very similar. They're, um, mm. you know, they're rivals and all of that. But it it hit very home. And Rachel and Haley, please feel free to chime in at any moment. Um, yeah, I, I just think it, it was um, very surreal. And and I think like you you mentioned, Rachel and I have been long gone from the sport, and it's still very. And, and from a parent perspective. Um, I can, you know, Rachel has 16 year old daughters and I have a a competitive soccer daughter as well. And, and, um, from all angles, you know, Haley and Rachel, do you have anything to add?
3: I was just going to say kind of similarly, um, Katie and I are very similar. We both like, as I've shared with you guys, I'm in law school. I know she had similar dreams. I played professionally. I played at Cal was very involved in leadership things. So and very driven. So to me, Katie, what was me as well. And so it kind of thinking about that whole process. and um thinking about my parents, I also had very supportive parents who didn't care if I played college soccer or played soccer at all, but were there every step of the way. Um, and just thinking about that whole process and feeling how my parents would have felt in that situation and going through all this. like I'm just so, want to be so supportive to you guys. And just, I think that is kind of what you guys have been echoing that this experience does feel so common because there are so many amazing young girls with those dreams that Katie had, um, including myself. Mm -hmm. How you, um, how you guys described, especially seeing her Stanford teammates, um, seeing her in them Mm -hmm. and even before her passing that like everybody's point there's a lot of katie's spirit and a lot of young women and and little girls even you know who have that and um sort of how i think that's why it impacted so many people because it was just like whoa this there's this could be anyone you know um so it's and and then uh, especially with having daughters you know you guys know as you become a parent your perspective changes on some things or you learn new perspectives so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's
2: just yeah that's the I think the terrifying thing for it for most parents out there is it yeah it could be anyone because it's not like Katie came from a household of you know acrimony we were super close super mm-hmm. tight she loved her sisters. she knew she was loved by us unconditionally I think over the course of her playing soccer since she was five Mm -hmm. the number of games we missed and this includes away games with Stanford you can't even feel two hands like we Mm -hmm. you know loved watching her play and uh, and loved watching her grow as a student and all that part of things you know she had a lot going on at Stanford away from soccer at the time of her passing she was home during the traditional college Christmas to New Year's, usually your college students come home and, you know, and she was here with us and she was a little stressed out about law school. She felt she should have either heard or not heard at that point and didn't understand what the delay was. And uh, I was talking to her about that. And I'm like, you know what, when you go back there, just go be you, like maybe explore some other things. You're a great communicator. And she was, she was gifted. Like, She should be the one talking, not me and Gina. She was awesome at it. And uh, so she went back and uh, next thing you know, we started getting these texts from her, like she applied for and got Mm. and was going to do a TEDx talk. She started, yeah, I mean, and her theme was, um, oh shoot, it just escaped me. All we have is all we need, but it's all we have. And I would have loved to have heard that talk uh Mm -hmm. she was embarking on a podcast series for uh, facebook she was a defense innovator scholar she was going to teach a class at stanford design school all these things started rolling for her
1: mayfield fellows
2: mayfield fellows like and she was so Mm -hmm. excited about it Mm -hmm. and so that's again it's a little bit of one of the whether you're a parent or you're a player or a college student so part of it i think that makes the story compelling and terrifying is it it could happen to anybody mm-hmm. and that's what Jean and I are trying to do going forward and speaking with people is just breaking the stigma it,
1: right it's not putting suicide. her on it's a not, pedestal we're not trying to put on at all her on a pedestal with these but
2: things like... but we're trying to explain is it's not always someone who has clinical depression and will come out of their bedroom for 6 weeks this kind of situation this sort of moment mm-hmm. can happen
0: mm-hmm. Absolutely. We actually designed a course, it was a course and now it's part of our mentorship program around that idea after all of this, which we called normalizing the struggle Mm -hmm. and just sort of trying to teach girls and educate girls on the fact that, um, you know, trying to help like that stigma that you're talking about. And what I, I can't believe is all the work that you guys have put in this past year and how quickly you've done it to show the love and support for your daughter, but also just to um, just the immense work you've done around advocating for more supports for collegiate athletes and collegiate you know students. So I'd love for you to explain to our listeners um, all about Katie Save and um, what you've been doing, and just we here commend you for the work you've put in, the time and effort, mm-hmm. and um, the changes you've been able to make pretty quickly um, in the past year. Thank you.
1: Thank I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm going to talk about two reasons why the, the biggest reasons, and then I'll let you talk about Katie it. save a little. So when, like I told you guys, when we got up to Stanford, we were like, what happened? And how did we not know? It was instantly, how did we not know? Cause she went through a disciplinary process and received that letter that night. So we were like, how did we not know? So Two things, you know, if it's your first rodeo and your kids going away to college, you are in the dark once they are 18, you will get no information, you will pay the tuition bill, but you will not even see their grades unless they show you or tell you, you will not know, you know, anything, if they're in a disciplinary process, if they go to the hospital for a, you know, whatever, if they, so all these things, because of HIPAA and FERPA laws, you, you know, nothing. So that was one reason we're like, how did no one know about this? Um, Secondly, we, you know, and again, we're not experts. We're only Katie's parents. So full full disclosure, we are not experts, only Katie's parents. And as we've gone to therapy, as we've talked to um, different counselors, organizations, you know, we've been doing our own support groups, Um, but science, their brains are not developed. They're just not. No matter how smart they are, no matter what school, no matter how brilliant they are, that fifteen to twenty-five year old brain, eighteen to twenty-five, is not developed. It's just not. So they think more with their middle of their brain, which is impulsive, emotional, irrational decision making. Right? That's more what's there. That prefrontal cortex is not fully developed yet, which is good judgment, rational decision making. So here's the here's the problem, they go away to college, there are these young emerging adults you want to give them, but yet they still need extra support, extra guidance, and sometimes some help, right? So we came up with Katie's SAFE, and I'm gonna let Steve explain that.
2: Well, it all circles back to around what I said earlier, it just wasn't supposed to go this way. Right. For us, for Katie, for anybody, really. And um, we were so gutted with grief and shock and just devastated that, and we still are every single day, but like out of the gate, we're like, how can we come up with something to at least have a chance for another family, young person, their peers, their teammates, mm-hmm. their to have to go through this. Mm-hmm. There has to be a way to create some kind of safety net. Mm -hmm. So we came up with something where, and we want the students to have choice and power so they can choose somebody, an adult, we call a designated advocate. And that's somebody in their life. Could be an older sibling, could be a relative, could be a, a youth group counselor that they're familiar with and trust, could be a club coach if they're a soccer player coming up through. The word parent does not exist in this document. We fully understand not every young person has wonderful relationships with their parents. Uh, We would hope that it might be a parent. In Katie's case, she probably would have chose one of us, but maybe not, and that's okay. Um, Anyway, hopefully they would never need Katie Save, ever. You go to school, four years, five years, whatever it is, enjoy your life. However, if a young person finds themselves in one of five areas, academic probation, substance abuse, injury that requires hospitalization, Uh, a disciplinary process or a mental health prescription, which is different than seeing your sports psychologist or just seeing a therapist on campus, that should be normalized, have those conversations. We just feel very strongly that if a mental health prescription is given, that can kind of alter a young person's brain chemistry or it could, and that their loved ones should have an understanding that that's happened. And maybe if they wanna seek a second opinion back home or wherever they are, that they should be able to do that. So anyway, a young person could choose their designated advocate. And if they find themselves in one of those situations, their advocate would get us a very simple email saying, your student has been involved in an incident on campus covered under Katie's Safe. Then that advocate would reach out to the student and go, hey, what's going on? Tell me about Mm -hmm. this. I got an email. The student, again, with them having choice and power throughout this, they don't have to disclose anything to the advocate, but at least somebody on the outside has an entry point to a conversation and knows something's going on. That's the conversation Gina and I never got. And so that's the crux of this. And so let's just say for the sake of the discussion that the student doesn't disclose something to the advocate, right? Well, then the advocate could do some more digging and, and maybe get in the car and go for a visit, mm-hmm. put her arm around
1: or at least follow up, check in. check in. And if there is that conversation, then they can say, how can I help you? What are the next right. steps we need to take? What do we need to do next? Like it's a whole, it just opens up that conversation.
2: Because a university could have all the mental health resources or any type of resources that you could dream of. But if you cannot get that student to the appropriate place, then I would ask what good are all of those resources? Mm -hmm. and part of the sort of cultural parlance that's going on right now also is, you know, be brave, say you need help, okay? We were young ones too, and that moment's not so easy, especially for an athlete. They're conditioned from when they're little babies to never show weakness ever because you don't want to miss a practice, you don't want to miss out on playing time, whatever. That's a tough moment for somebody, And so what Katie Save does is it kind of helps them with that moment because they don't have to have that moment now. Somebody already knows on day one that there's something going on, and that can be a life-changing conversation. You know, the example I like to use is it takes it out of soccer. Let's just go football, NCAA football. Let's say you got a giant linebacker who's having a terrible practice, and his coach, the linebacker's coach, is screaming at him, Well, if that coach knew there was something going on in that young person's life, instead of screaming at him, pulled him aside and say, hey, let's let's take a little walk. Let's find out what's going on. Uh, That could be a life-changing moment for that young person. And so we feel very strongly that if the student is an athlete, that the coaching staff should have this as well. It helps protect them. Uh, And you know, Katie's coach, we love him. He's a guy about my age. He's married with two kids. He's heartbroken over this. He lost Katie, he lost a captain, he lost, you know, somebody. And a lot of times, again, for any parents listening, when your kids go off to athletics over the course of those four years, they're with that staff more than they are with you. Mm-hmm. So we want to look out for those staffs as well. And uh, so that's Katie's Save in a nutshell. It's called Katie Save, obviously, because she was a goalkeeper. Um, and we just hope that it will help those students who on the outside may not look like they need help. Mm -hmm. circling back around to it's not always the student that has a uh, properly diagnosed mental illness or depression Mm -hmm. things like this can happen to anybody and that's what this is designed to do is just to help anybody who would like it and again they it's their choice they can opt in yeah they don't have to
1: yeah. I mean, there's kind of the umbrella of suicide and, and yes, there is a lot of cases in there of, of mental illness and depression, but there's also like an acute stress reaction or an acute uh, mental crisis. Um, our therapist believes Katie fell under that acute stress reaction, um, do the disciplinary letter that she got. Um, and you know, she's carrying that burden alone on her own by herself and probably didn't want to tell us initially a little embarrassed a little ashamed whatever it may be um
2: and felt her world was crashing down ground, like or?
1: everything she worked for i think
2: would that night you see examples of that in adults sometimes where you'll have a business owner or a teacher, or whatever it may be, a fine, upstanding member of society, and something goes sideways in their business or in their career and out of the blue, and we lose them. And
1: uh, well, as we're talking to high school students, so we've, we've, this last month, we've talked to hundreds of high school athletes, um, soccer players, lacrosse players. We're doing these 20, 25 minute conversations, and we talk a lot about, Again, what we're learning, not experts, but we're learning of the soft vulnerabilities. Right. So, these soft vulnerabilities for these young people, which um, sometimes a couple things together can cause almost like a perfect storm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that being, it could be failing a class. It can be something going on at home. Maybe there's been a loss at home, maybe a separation, a divorce. Um, it could be relationship with their own, with themselves, boyfriend, girlfriend, breakup. It could be a disciplinary action at school. Maybe they got in trouble. It could be some of them that are starting to drive. Maybe they got a speeding, their first speeding ticket. It could be in an athlete. It could be injury. Just being injured, being isolated more from the team, isolated from social events, that injury, we know that play, you know, you can have those uh, emotional, um, mental.
2: Coming off of knee surgery.
1: Yeah, she had 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 her knee surgery. Um, It could be how how valued they feel on the team, you know, playing time, um, stuff like that. So those are the soft vulnerabilities. And again, that's something um, in that young, brain that is not fully developed yet you know something happens and a lot of times you know they can act impulsively mm-hmm. and not you know always think things through and if they're not uh, having that conversation with some if they're not opening up and they're carrying a burden or a weight it's uh it, things can spiral kind of quick so
2: and that's <sighs> just true because if it wasn't we wouldn't be having this conversation right. And we feel very strongly that, you know, we got a lot of work to do as adults Mm -hmm. in our society with how our systems have evolved, um, because they're, they need some adjusting because it didn't work.
1: Oh, even social media, social media is another soft vulnerability because, you know, on social media, you have the comparativism, right? Mm -hmm. This person's doing this. I'm not doing this. Oh my gosh. I need to be doing this, this, this. There's, you know, there's social, there's bullying, you know, with social media or, you know, there's so much now with that as well. I mean, that's another factor. There's just. It's a lot and yeah,
2: of- those young people are facing pressures with social media that we never did. You know, mm-hmm. you could have yeah. a, an amazing softball player at, at UCLA and she has a, she's a shortstop and she has a bad moment with a ball go between her legs that costs a game. Right. 15 years ago very few people would have known about that unless you were an eyewitness now that can go viral she can have people from Vermont and Washington state and Texas and Holland and Japan commenting on not only that play but now they're diving in on her as a person as a human being she's got to look at that phone on her way back to the bus or the dorm like so there's a lot going on right now it's it's i had a discussion with a nearby uh, d1 coach who i love to death. He's like a brother to me. And he's like, I think we have a different athlete now than we did 15 years ago. And I go, with all due respect, I think we have a different world.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the athletes,
2: the athletes, they're still performing the same, doing the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the pressures are heightened mm-hmm. now.
0: Mm-hmm. Gosh, we could not agree more. Like, this is so much of what we're talking about girls ages 10 and up, mm-hmm. you know, where they really start to, the comparativism you're talking about really starts around nine and 10. And Mm-hmm. this is kind of the, our argument is it might come off like we're angry at the systems but we are like like you in just advocating for desperate change within the systems because of the pressures it's and if we felt them 15 years ago rachel and i haley you know six five six years ago was still under them when you were talking about you know the different soft vulnerabilities like i mean i failed a class at cal rachel was super injured like we all had all and many of us, multiple of those soft vulnerabilities happening at once, and mm-hmm. there was no mental support. Um, and when you talk, when we talk mental skills and mental support, we're talking about those areas. We're not talk, we're not sports psychologists. I'm a social emotional coach, but like mm-hmm. all of our backgrounds are within education and sport, and we're talking more about those just the skill sets and the the characteristics that need attention outside of the technical, tactical, and physical coaching that players get so Mm -hmm. i think that's why we are such huge supports of Katie's save and what you're doing because it is so needed it has always been needed but more than ever now with like you said social media and the the pressures are just so intense
2: well it's an evolving world right like things are changing and so we Mm -hmm. feel like we need some evolving ideas to Mm -hmm. keep pace with that and again it doesn't matter with with what we're trying to do with that Little document, it's just designed to cut through all of it so regardless of the institution, and regardless of the people that work there. let me put it this way. I've talked to, we have talked to a lot of athletes who are currently in the NCAA about this. We consulted them too about Mm -hmm. this. We said, we want this to feel good to you. We want this to not feel oppressive. We want this to not feel like mommy and daddy know every single little things going on in your life, which by the way, we don't need to know that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Go live your life, spread your wings, fly little birdie. They feel like Katie safe protects them from the institution itself, from being treated systematically from being treated like a number It allows them to have someone they trust on the outside
0: Mm -hmm.
2: of the institution.
0: That's huge.
1: What's
2: going on. And that's a big, very important distinction.
1: Mm -hmm. Huge. Uh, We've gone to the NCAA a couple of times. We did talk to Dr. Brian Hanlein, who's the chief medical advisor over at the NCAA. Um, And he does believe it's an excellent front end safety net. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was definitely like good and positive about it what we have found is that the ncaa i mean they have upped their best practices i think a little bit we would like to see um like suicide prevention training. That's another thing Mm -hmm. our foundation's working on. We'd love to see that mandated like a CPR training, right? That All all coaches, trainers, um, athletic staff need to go through that. So it's something that, again, they can recommend, but a lot of it we're finding out is by conference or just by school. Mm -hmm. And and what is recommended under best practices isn't always mandated. So um, we are working with, uh, it's the Johnson Depression Center out of the University of Colorado we met a great guy over there, Dr. Matt Mishkin. He piloted a program for Colorado for suicide prevention training for all athletic staff and coaches. And then he's also working on um, athlete to athlete training. So it's not just where you're getting on a computer, checking the boxes, like a a, more of a QPR type training. This is more of a two hour in-person with role-playing talking about those soft vulnerabilities, talking about what to look for, and then how to ask those right questions. So um, we're trying to collaborate with him on that a little bit and really try to get that out there more. Some some schools are doing more than others. Some are on it. Some are a little behind. So that's something we're really... Um, that's amazing. And the uh-oh. fact that
0: it doesn't exist now is baffling. Like I, As a public educator, I've had to be trained in all of that since 15 years ago. So I the know. fact that collegiate programs and athletic staffs have not been is, is just yeah. not okay. So well, I think
2: that's really going to change. Um,
0: yes, absolutely.
2: You know, it just shows you where the priorities have been over time, you know, mm-hmm. we get a new scoreboard put into the football stadium. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Or can we spend a little bit more money on uh, training the humanities?
1: I think a lot of, of it is right? budget. It's the lack of and, and funding
2: priorities. Where are yeah. they? Right. Yeah. And, uh, totally there's a lot of that going on we're also going to be working uh, very we already started and it's going to continue on the legislative side of it mm-hmm. you know we have things in our country called the cleary act where that was born out of a tragedy and now universities for the last 25 plus years have had to report their crime statistics publicly mm-hmm. and so we are working very hard behind the scenes on a legislative basis as well mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see where we get with that um
0: You guys are amazing. I'm just so in in awe of of your strength and your advocacy for all of this is just, it's so commendable. What can we do outside of Katie's Save? What can parents and players and coaches, how can we be of help to Katie's Day Foundation?
2: Great question. Calls
0: to action. Like what, yeah, what can we ask?
2: Interesting. Obviously following us on Instagram and restoring out anything that you're moved to do so is great. Um,
1: I would, I would but, say, I would say, players. I would say for players, think about who your designated advocate would be. Who, who is your person uh, before you go away to college? Who would be your person that you would go to? Would it be one of your parents? Would it be your big sister? Would it be your uncle? Like, who is that person? Um, I would say, do your homework before going to that school. Look into what kind of mental health resources they have how is the coaching staff trained? What are they trained? You can ask these questions, be proactive, ask a lot of questions. Do they have something like Katie save? Do you want to bring that to your school, print out the initiative, bring it to your administrative building. Like let's, let's, you know, get this in, into the schools. Um, it doesn't have to even be called Katie save. We don't care. It can be called whatever you want. I mean, just let's get something in there that gives them some options, you know, if they want someone um, notified to have their back, to be that extra support, extra layer of support. Um, I would say to players, when you need it, take a mental health day. More coaches are saying that right now, like saying, Hey, three times per season, no questions asked. If you need a mental health day, take it. And I I think that needs to happen in the clubs as well. I think that when you need to take a step back, take a step back. If you're juggling two sports and it's too much, if you're juggling too many AP classes and it's too much, if whatever it is, you know what, sometimes you need an extra day, take it. So that's that's a big thing I'm big with. Um, I would say to parents and coaches, really, really listen to um, those kids, look for those soft vulnerabilities. Um pay attention to what's going on. Is there an injury? Is something going on at home? Wait, and they're not doing well in school. What's happening here? You're like you know, put those people we need are to Are they excited to together. go to
2: their club soccer practice or their club softball practice or whatever sport? Mm-hmm, or are they mm-hmm. kind of dreading it? Mm-hmm. Take pay attention to those details. Mm-hmm. Those matter. And because- then I think we'll go ahead.
1: Cassie said it kind of too. Like we need to really start. I think teaching our kids, uh, coping skills meant like coping skills. Like what, what do you do when you are facing adversity? What do you do when something has gone wrong? What, how do you handle it? I think the conversation is the biggest thing because you're taking that burden off of you and you're sharing it with someone else that you trust, you know, and they can help you. Right. Um, but also is it just going outside for a walk around the block? Is it getting fresh air? Is it you know taking some deep breaths, doing a meditation get what works for you? What are those coping skills? And I think um, our young people need to definitely wor- work on those as well. and as parents we need, we need to work with them on that as coaches we need to work with them on that. so, Mm-hmm. I, I have lists, but anyway, that's some stuff that we've been talking about a lot. And if someone's
2: and, um, listening, who's currently in the university system, go ask your school about if you, if you like the idea of Katie save and the idea of a designated advocate that's on the outside, go ask your school if they have it or if they've heard of it. And if they would read it, it's mm-hmm. two pages, mm-hmm. take them five minutes. And if they, if they don't have it or don't want to do it, why not? Why not? Uh, It's optional. Just sign in for it. You know, we heard some reasons in some of the meetings we've had where some of the uh, professionals on campus were like, I don't know if the software can handle this. So now we're attacking that. We've had a Zoom with owners of a software company who service 1300 colleges and universities around the nation. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: It's not a software problem. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: They can handle that. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have more of these meetings. It's a policy issue. The policies have consequences. And so just-
1: A lot of it is schools working together. I think one department needs to know what's happening and the other department needs to, it's like the right hand needs to know what the left hand is doing. And I think with many schools, that isn't always happening. And that would be really cool if they knew what was going on. Oh, wait, this person had an injury. Oh, wait, there's a disciplinary issue. Oh, wait, there's a, like, let's put the pieces together because it's not all together.
0: Well, I'd add on to that, too, within the soccer world, the same goes for youth soccer Mm -hmm. um, and collegiate soccer and NWSL type soccer, where it's like when a coach gets fired for some reason or whatever, you shouldn't be able to go to another club and get a job. Like it's that same situation we see in some of the issues with abuse that we've talked about on our podcast, where it's like, you know, just when when it's all not working together at the youth level, it's not going to bode well when they get to collegiate level. And we see that, I mean, having gone to also a huge school like Stanford at Cal, we have the same issues, you know, like we've talked to some of the current players and how during the pandemic, the supports were very minimal because there weren't enough sub- mental health consultants for different teams and certain teams have different, different priorities and they just weren't all working together. So, yeah. so I think it's just in general, the professionalism around all of it, the re-education around mental health in general, all it's such a big systemic thing, but it's not like not doable. You know, like you said, it's going I love that you're going from section to section. You're taking that feedback, you're hearing them, you're you're reaching out to those different areas. That's so important. And you're getting to the bottom of it. And and it's a lot of people who are just, you know, it's time to change. And some people are just not good with that. (laughs) It is. Yeah, we're gonna keep
2: drilling down to the core of it. We are again it's what I said earlier, it, we, if we can do anything,
1: anything, I mean, it's not going to bring Katie back yeah. at this point, but we got to, this can't happen to another family. Like they can't, th- this is, we we got to be better. We got to do better. I think our, our institutions can do better. Um, everybody and, um, you know, I think for good, us, good people, Yeah, we gotta. you know, Katie
2: was not only a, a, at Stanford when she was home, she mentored countless young soccer players here. Mm-hmm. especially during the pandemic we had underground training sessions where we had 25 30 younger soccer players there she ran those sessions she was magical doing it and again not to sound like I'm putting on her pedestal she just was mm-hmm. and it does break the stigma again but like we can't lose good people anymore mm-hmm. and so yeah. we keep plowing away
0: yeah absolutely well, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Haley, Rachel, did you guys wanna add anything before we kind of start to wrap up? All Um, I just, this has been so amazing just to have you for an hour to, to pick your brain, to talk about Katie and her legacy and all that you're doing to, to support her, to advocate for her. We are so grateful in as women, as female athletes, as parents, as humans, I just think it's what you're doing is, is just remarkable. And every girl is going to benefit from all of this. And we're just so, so grateful for your strength and and your work. And um, thank you so much for being on today. We really can't thank you enough.
1: Thank you guys for having us on and letting us ramble and vent and go off. And I mean, we're trying to find purpose and meaning and, and just keep making an impact, you know, in Katie's name and in her honor and you know, want to make her proud. So thank you. Thank you so much for letting us speak and having us on. We appreciate all you guys are doing.
2: Yeah. thank you guys you. It's amazing. We're grateful for you taking an interest in her story and, um,
1: and all the support. Thank you guys and so what much. We're all
2: trying to do together, you know, mm-hmm. all of us meaning, you know, I think yeah. we, if we can all come together and get this cleaned up. Um, uh, that's going to be a beautiful thing. And, um, Gina's right. I mean, it's just, I don't know if we're strong or not. Thank you for that. But like, it's just, we just feel like we don't have a choice. It's unacceptable to just, if we do if we do nothing, nothing will get done. Let's put it yep. that way. And Absolutely. So with we, we're really grateful for that.
0: Thank, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And everybody should go, is it katysave.org? Is mm-hmm. that right? The website. So please go check out org. Please go follow their social on um, Instagram. Are you guys on Facebook too?
1: Or does it mean the Instagram? No. No, Instagram and we just started Twitter we're we're still we're still like I mean yeah I know same
0: we're getting there
2: the website's great for your listeners who didn't really know Katie so well there's a lot of video and audio of her on there they can get to know her a little bit there's a lot of things to see through on there
0: you guys it's beautiful the website actually all of the stories and the pictures are just wonderful so please check it out if you're a college athlete a high school player listening to this please go take a look print out the the form have the conversation with your family um start thinking about who your advocate would be um there's a lot we can do if we do it together and um you know it's time it's way past time that we we put better things in place for our athletes and our girls and and all of humans so thank you so much for your time today and um please definitely go check it out everybody
3: thanks guys thank you